Any time the wind came, it would rip off my roof. When it happened that way, my children and I would not have a place to stay. When extreme weather comes, it can destabilize entire communities. But most people don't have the ability to change the weather. So tell me, how can you keep your home and your economy secure in a changing climate? Well, nature may just have the answer. Welcome to Nature Answers, rural stories from a changing planet. We explore stories of how communities in rural Africa are working with nature to adapt to the climate crisis. I am your host, Martin Mogen, and today, ooh, in this second episode, we are visiting Gagbiri in northern Ghana. Yes, let's go. Gagbiri is where one delicious fruit is doing a lot of work to improve the lives of community members. Picture this. You are in a vast mango plantation in northern Ghana. I don't know if you can see it in your mind. The sun is shining and the wind is blowing casually through carefully organized rows of trees. It is a warm, serene place. The mango trees extend into the distance. Their deep green leaves shine in the sunlight. Cows and goats roam freely. This green mango group sits right next to the town of Gagbiri. This is Azuma Akudubu. She's a young farmer from Gagbiri in northeast Ghana. She's also raising a 13-year-old son. Actually, Azuma farms maize and soya beans on the edge of town next to the plantation. She has seen big weather changes come to the area. Located in Ghana's Guinea Savannah zone, close to the border with Burkina Faso, Gagbiri is traditionally used to a hot, dry climate with a consistent rainy season. We used to experience erosion that would wipe topsoil away, including the manure from animals. What our forefathers used to grow was no longer possible because the rainfall patterns had changed. There are tools available to combat drought and soil infertility, as well as strengthen homes. These are things like chemical fertilizers and wind barriers. But as a poor rural community, Gagbiri could not afford those options. Do you remember those mango trees? Gagbiri looked to them as a solution. George Alem Akutbila is a local elder farmer. He has lived in the community nearly his entire life and helped organize the mango plantation project. We got a lot of education from the government and the radio about the benefits of trees. In all of this, there was one thing that was clear, that trees could help with rain and also check the extreme weather conditions. We chose mango trees because they grow very fast and provide money for us. So, 
Dagbiri approached their local district assembly, walking away with enough money to plant over 1,000 mango trees. That was good, but there was one important element they had to consider. The project came with a quota for women. It started with women and ended with women. Our culture here is that women do not own land. Women can have access to land, but they don't own it. But women were involved from the beginning of the work once we acquired it. Let's talk about the situation of women in Ghana in terms of land ownership. Here we are becoming more serious. You know in Ghana, women are legally allowed to own land. That's a fact. And it seems to be perfect. But in rural communities like Gagbiri, they are often prevented from accessing it. And what's the difference? And let's talk about it. In small communities, women just own a much smaller portion of the farms. Can you see it? And most of what they produce is to support their families. Women and women-led households are also more vulnerable to climate shocks. And that's a fact. That cannot be denied. Because what? They have fewer resources to respond to disasters like windstorm, which can significantly impact their farming productivity as well. Gagbiri was unprotected from the wind that would tear across the savannah. The wind wreaks havoc on the town. Azuma Aknu is a farmer who has lived in Gagbiri for almost 70 years. She has experienced the windstorms firsthand. Anytime the wind came, it would rip off my roof. When it happened that way, my children and I would not have a place to stay. would have to wait and maybe find a place to put up before they can put up a roof for us. While George and the rest of Gatbiri worked hard to change this dynamic, they too needed to learn about how to meaningfully include women in that work. We were advised a lot about the role of women in agriculture. The government educated us, and I would like to say that when we were denying women access to land to cultivate, we were facing hunger issues. Now that we are giving them the opportunity to farm, we've seen the benefits already. When it came to the plantation, why not involve the women willingly? It is true women were not involved with acquiring the land, but for a major change to happen, sometimes small steps are needed. Azuma Agnu remembers how many consultations were made with the women of the community to ensure they benefited from the project fairly. After our men had secured the land, they invited us to participate in the decision process to commence with the plantation. Women attended these consultations and helped determine from the beginning how the work will be distributed and who will benefit from the plantation. They asked me about the benefits that the mango plantation will bring to me, and I agree that it will have lots of benefit to us. As we started with the plantation, 
We start our benefiting by way of wages, to buy things to take care of ourselves as we worked at the plantation. The project broke ground February 7, 2012. It used land donated by several families in the area. When it was time to build the plantation, men and women were given different roles. Men would uproot the tree stumps, while women would clear the brush. The women also dug the pits for the trees, lined them with manure for fertilizer, and brought the water for watering. Now, over 10 years later, the plantation is thriving. Row upon row of 20-foot-tall mango trees extend for hundreds of meters. The mango grove sits right next to Azuma Akodugu's farm. The mangoes now block the harsh winds that could have damaged her home. The dry season is cooler as the hotter air is tempered by the trees. Besides this, the people of the community eat the mangoes freely, and we all know that mangoes are very tasty. Mm. People are seeing the benefits of trees in general as well. Not just the mango trees, but also shade trees. Here is Azuma again. I've seen a lot of improvement. I learned so much from the experience that I can help my own farm. Before the plantation came, any time I'll be working on my farm and came across a shell nut tree, I'd cut it down. But now I protect them and use them. And with the improved yields have come increased income for Azuma. Not only do I benefit from the youth, but I also get extra income from the share trees that I protect now. I use it to take care of my children. I have a child of my own, but there are four to five children that are under my care as well. Now I can pay for their money for school and pay for their lunches. Now I can pay for their health care insurance, so it's helping me a lot. When the mangoes are harvested, the area comes alive with the workers. You can't recognize Gagbiri anymore. Gagbiri stopped receiving funding from the government in 2017. But by then, the trees had started paying for themselves. Every harvest, hundreds of mango were brought to the market and sold for profit bringing money back into the community. This helped with another issue plaguing Gagbiri, the exodus of its young people. Why? Young people went in search of economic opportunity. Many young workers of Gagbiri were migrating away because they had nothing to do. And in many cases, they were going to engage in illegal mining, and that was very dangerous. That added commerce is another important aspect of the plantation led by women, the selling of mangoes. Ramatu Muhammad is mother of six who has lived in Gadbiri for most of her life. She's one of the women who, starting six years ago, came to the plantation just to buy the mangoes at a discount. I get to sell the mangoes and I get profits for them. I have children. When they are going to school, I give them spending money. When their uniforms are destroyed, I use the money to give them new uniforms. 
Ramatu serves them in nearby Garu. Garu is about 15 minute motorcycle ride away. Some of the profits go back to the community to fund other projects, but the rest go to Ramatu herself. The impact that the opportunity has brought to her and her family has been really, really, really profound. What I like most is the developments that the plantation has brought to the community. Now we can have a fund to develop. I can also take better care of my children. I'm happy. I'm so grateful that this plantation is changing my life. The flow of money in the community will not only benefit individuals like Ramatu, but will soon improve its medical care as well. Kadbiri as a remote community lacks a dedicated medical facility. This causes many problems, especially for the women in the community. Here, malaria and anemia in pregnancy are particularly common. Gadbiri only has a small clinic, but there are no dedicated nurses that work there, and so many basic services are not available. I can say everyone is forced to commute to another town for even minor treatments. The situation is currently preoccupying because you can imagine pregnant women commuting down gravel roads to the nearby center of Garu for checkups. At night, it's dangerous. If they go into labor, no one, I say no one in Gadbury is available to treat them. But soon, thanks in part to the mangoes, the clinic is getting a dormitory. Once it is ready, it will be able to house at least three nurses. And we believe this will raise the standard of care in Gadbury substantially. Well, it is amazing how much of an impact a mango plantation like this can provide. Gadbury's transformation illustrates the power of nature-based solutions to climate change that integrate into the local environment, and I can add by saying into the local realities. Even more importantly, it showcases how responding to climate change can be done equitably, even in a community with few resources. Nature Answers, a podcast produced by Farm Radio International. You can learn more about nature-based solutions and the people doing them by listening to Nature Answers wherever you get your podcast. This was the second episode. And for more, follow us on social media at Farm Radio or visit us at farmradio.org slash natureanswers. I am your host, Martin Mogem, coming to you right from Yaoundé, Cameroon. I can't wait to be back in two weeks' time with more exciting stories. See you then. Hi, I'm Christian Robiard, and I'm the Audience Development Specialist with Nature Answers. This episode was written and produced in Ghana by Christopher Edwards, with help from staff from Farm Radio International's office in Accra, Ghana. 
The sounds were recorded on location by Christopher Edwards, L. Manuel Bachlin, and Morgana Adby. They joined as part of an internship program with Carleton University's School of Journalism. The translations were voiced by Rosetta Atiso and Randolph Anane. It was edited by Terrace Brickerhoff. Farm Radio compensated community members who participated in interviews. It is common practice to compensate a person in this region for the time they spend being interviewed. Our podcast would exclude many important perspectives if we only interviewed those who could afford to step away from their economic activities without compensation. Nature Answers was produced thanks to funding from the Government of Canada.